Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a horror anthology podcast by Superversive Radio, with no affiliation with any detective agency, person real or imagined, or the dark forces of Terre. It is not intended for children. This is Jim Donovan, recording from my office in L.A. It is currently... <laughs> late. Ugh, you'll have to pardon me, Control. I got some broken ribs, so this is gonna be a... <laughs> This is going to sound rough. I should have expected getting this call for a while now. Investigate Moonburst Talent Agency. Possible vampire activity. Paranormal Pinkerton agent, Marie Jameson, was on this case, but went missing back in September. Exercise extreme caution. I knew Marie. We went out a couple times, but <laughs> we were both too damaged from this job to make a successful go at a relationship. Still... We were both assigned to the Los Angeles area, back when Control realized that more than one agent was needed for an area this big and this supernaturally active. So our paths crossed often, even after we both decided not to date. In this business, if someone has gone missing for three months, it's a sure bet they're already dead. I opened a bottle of Jameson to toast Jameson's memory. In the morning when I woke up with my customary hangover, I began googling Moonburst. Gave me a real nostalgia trip for college. It was a boutique agency. Now, there are hundreds of talent agencies in this city. They typically come in three sizes. Mega agency, medium, and boutique. They call the smaller ones boutique as opposed to way too small to be of any damn good. The webpage was well designed. Bright smiling faces of pretty people. A list of companies that cast Moonburst clients. But unlike most boutique agencies, there's neither a list of the agents nor of the actors that Moonburst represented. Unusual, but not unheard of. Sometimes, boutique agencies play their hands close to the chest, so they don't reveal how few actors they have. The Contact Us portion of the website wasn't especially unique either. Along with a phone number and address, it included a section for submissions. I clicked through it and noticed a glaring red flag. Most casting agencies ask for a headshot, which is just a picture taken by an overpriced photographer. They ask for your acting resume, and maybe some links to your social media pages, so they can see how popular you are. This one also included a little note that said, Because Moonburst has a lot of business with Japanese companies, we ask all potential clients to include their blood type. Frankly, if I wasn't looking for a vampire talent agency, this would have just appeared to be another odd idiosyncrasy in an industry rife with odd idiosyncrasies. Japan keeps track of blood types for the same reason some Westerners care about Myers-Briggs personality types and horoscopes. As it was, this all seemed a little too... easy. I mocked up a profile for myself. Gave myself the name Gavin O'Malley. I'm not Irish, but you couldn't tell from looking at me. I had invented some bit parts in a few commercials, a couple of one-line roles in some obscure TV shows. I considered using a fake picture, but... Realized that if I got called in to interview, it would go poorly for me if I didn't look like my headshot. So, I used the picture I sent into control as part of the Paranormal Pinkerton database. 
If this were a legitimate agency, and I were actually trying to get them to represent me, lying on my resume would be considered a wildly bad idea. However, they weren't, and I wasn't. As the piece de resistance, I listed my blood type as AB negative, the rarest of the blood types. I figured that vampires would consider an incredibly rare blood type to be a delicacy. After that, it became a waiting game to see how long it would take to get contacted. I had no doubt they would contact me. The question was when. I began preparing a set of tools that would be perfect for this job. Vampires are supernaturally fast and resilient, but they're hardly invulnerable. Bullets don't kill them, but they can't destroy enough tissue to weaken them as they regenerate. Of course, the older a vampire is, the faster its regenerative capabilities. I was sincerely hoping I wasn't about to face up against some ancient vampire. I hear it takes an entire squad of warrior priests from the Vatican to take one of those down. But then again, Pinkertons aren't called for the end of the world, and LA is too new for one of those old bloodsuckers, I hoped. I began tinkering with few objects that I'd been considering for some time. A silver cross underneath the shirt for starters. Sean will tell you, all you need is a vampire to flinch, and you'll get the chance you need. I also toyed around with a new recipe I've been playing with. Homemade bubblegum. I wanted to make it out of garlic, but not only would that have tasted rancid, it would have been glaringly obvious to all around me that I was chewing garlic. As much a turnoff for humans as vampires. So instead, I melted up some chicle base in a double boiler, added some mint for flavoring, and liberally sprinkled the affair with holy water. I'm not a Catholic, but since Protestants don't tend to bless water, I have to get my supply from Father John at St. Mary's. He's a good sort, doesn't ask me any questions. I'd never tested the holy chewing gum idea before, but in theory, it made sense. Start chewing the gum, and the holy water should make your spit at least somewhat repellent to vampires. I don't normally believe in field testing new equipment. I leave that nonsense to Jack Morrow. But I didn't really have a choice. To ride up my gear, I picked out a somewhat fancy wooden cane, made out of acacia. It had a sealed tip that made a funny clicking noise as I walked. Popular fiction has upsold the power of wooden stakes to the heart. I mean, my favorite TV show from the 90s shows vampires basically exploding when a sexy blonde impaled a vampire with a 2x4. Reality is a bit less... forgiving. First of all, I don't know if the type of wood matters. Vampire enthusiasts the world over insist that ash or juniper has some sort of mystical properties that naturally hurts vampires. But I think you just need a strong wood that is naturally resistant to moisture and decay. That's why I like to make my stakes out of acacia wood. Secondly, wooden stakes don't kill vampires. They just prevent them from being able to move. After they're incapacitated, cut off its head, burn it, and spread its ashes so it can't reform its body. Sunlight works, but slowly. Point is, the more damage, the faster, the better. Vampires are depressingly hearty for creatures without a functioning heart. So, altogether, I had a silver cross some chewing gum that might be effective, and a cane made out of acacia wood. <laughs> yeah, this was going to go well. I had counted on having everything ready before Moonverse got back to me, but they responded much faster than I had anticipated. They emailed me back to set up a meeting merely an hour after I sent my application in. That was certainly suspicious. The email, which was little more than a glorified form letter, set up a meeting for two days hence, at a location in Thousand Oaks. Fortunately, I already owned the cane I intended to use, and the gum only took a few hours to make. I sent a message to Jack Morrow just in case. I know he really likes burning things, and that is definitely part of the process in killing vamps. 
I spent my two days before the meeting preparing all my gear. Since I already had a cane accessory, I decided it wouldn't be a bad idea to dress up as a hipster. You know the ordeal. Fedora hat, sweater in the middle of summer, tight jeans. In fact, I went to Goodwill to especially find a pair of jeans that would qualify. The constriction on my genitals was so tight, I vowed I'd gain 20 pounds after this case, so I'd never be tempted to try this disguise again. So I put on my cold iron ring, slipped my cross over my neck, tucking it between my sweater and my shirt, grabbed my acacia wood cane from the umbrella rack by the front door, and I put four or five pieces of holy gum in my pocket. I still don't know why I didn't take a knife. Or a gun. You always should take conventional weaponry when you're expecting trouble. I should know better than this. But this case was personal, and it messed with my thinking. I drove the ten miles to Thousand Oaks. It only took an hour. Luck was on my side. The office itself was in a squat, two-story building, on an off-street that ran parallel to Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Most agencies try to stay on main thoroughfares, but this one chose to be a little different. I parked on the street, put two hours on the meter, and went inside. It wasn't like most agencies I've seen. It wasn't dark and dingy. It didn't immediately scream, Stranger Danger, as I walked up. That alone sent warning signals. Most buildings in the entertainment industry look like they double as fetish dungeons for the unwilling on the weekends. Any deviation from the norm is unhealthy. I walked up to the entryway, walking cane in my left hand, skinny jeans running uncomfortably tight in areas that blood was not supposed to be constricted. The front door was carved oak. You don't see that a lot in LA. A sign beside the door said, Speak, friend, and enter. Or just knock. Great. Fashionably nerdy vampires. I hate the modern trend where nerdy has become a fashion choice. It used to be the excuse we used to beat up smart people. Now it's just a retreat for people who pretend to be socially awkward. I knocked loudly and steeled myself. I heard the door unlock, followed by a buzzing noise. I opened the door and stepped inside. It was a typical waiting room, with the desk centrally placed and two branching hallways behind the desk. There was no one inside. I couldn't see who would have remotely unlocked the door. And then, the lights went out. I didn't plan for darkness. In hindsight, I should have. Vampires have excellent night vision, since they're nocturnal creatures. Still, I had my phone in my breast shirt pocket. I couldn't fit it into the stupid pocket in those blood-restricting jeans. I pulled out my phone and flicked on the light, just in time to feel a hand slap me on my backside. I spun around. Nothing there. A female voice whispered right by my ear. Hello, Jim. I spun again. Still nothing. Adrenaline coursed through my veins. That can't be good. Vampires like the taste of fear in the blood. Also, not that keen that they knew who I was, as they had obviously set a trap for me. However, to keep up the facade, I said, Uh, I'm here for the interview? For Moonburst? That same female voice laughed in a deep-throated, seductive manner that turned shrill and manic. Her laughter echoed all around me, despite there being nothing that should generate an echo. Every note hit that panic button that all humans have that says, I'm a dead man. I backed up to the door, facing my light into the building, playing it over everything so rapidly 
It was practically a strobe light. I leaned my cane against my thigh, and with my free hand, I jiggled the doorknob. Locked, of course. When I was outside, I had seen windows on the second floor, but there weren't any here on the ground floor. I decided it was time to do away with any pretense. I raised the cane above my head and held the phone's light above me, pointed out, and said in a booming voice that I hoped sounded more brave than I felt, You know who I am. Come out and face me, foul creature of Otraterre. Look, paranormal Pinkertons are an overly dramatic lot. It comes to the territory. The voice laughed again, drifting along as though it were a melody. You don't remember me, Jim. Aw, I'm hurt. I recognized her voice from the second I heard her laugh. She didn't laugh much when I knew her. But Marie always had that kind of husky alto voice that drives men mad. You should be dead, Marie. You knew too much about these vermin to turn. I saw a flash as a stapler rocketed through the air and hit me hard in the stomach, driving the air from my lungs. It hit hard enough to drop my cane, buckle my knees, and cause me to retch up everything I'd eaten earlier that morning. I could feel a staple catch a bit of a love handle. I didn't like my breakfast enough to want to see it a second time. While I was gasping for air, she spoke again from the shadows, somewhere just outside the reach of my phone's light. You have no idea how many days I waited here, with them taunting me, torturing me, hoping Control would send another agent to rescue me. After a while, I realized no one was coming, and there was no point to keep fighting, if you can't beat him, after all. I've seen the Pixar movie. While she was monologuing, I slipped a piece of the holy gum into my mouth. I didn't know if it would work, but there's no time like the present to be proven wrong. I gritted my teeth against the taste. I really should have added a sweetener. Mint by itself is too strong. I paid attention to her speech again. She'd obviously been planning this for a couple of days. I owed it to the woman she used to be to listen. There's always something. More than anything, I wanted to know who turned her. If I'd known all the power waiting for me when I turned, I would have sought them out. I wouldn't have let them torture me before I accepted the gift. The pain in my back? Where the ghoul cracked a vertebrae? Totally gone, Jim. I heard her bare feet slip on the carpet, touching here and there, always out of the light. Was she dancing for joy? Her laughter came out again, and I felt fingers graze my cheek before flinging herself back. The vertebrae, the knees, the fingers, the, the, the everything. Perfect and whole, like I was 15 again. So, you damned yourself for a little comfort. Nothing new there. You're not unique, sweetheart. Just another sad, lonely vampire groupie who bought some lies. She landed in my light beam, and I straightened back up to greet her, grabbing the cane where it had fallen. Her dark brown hair cascaded past her shoulders like a waterfall. Where once her smile was playfully ironic, her lips now curled sadistically, too sharp, too hungry. She was far more beautiful dead than she had been alive. Don't get me wrong, I'm not into corpses. But Marie had always had a tension in her face that was now relieved. Sadly, beauty isn't always a reflection of the inner person. She stalked slowly towards me. My stomach was still roiling, but the mint from the gum was keeping my bile in check. 
she walked right up to me, her head barely coming up to my shoulders. She looked up into my face and said, One chance, Jim. I'll do for you what they did for me. I won't even torture you first. Come on. How else can you help your brother than to join Otraterre? That hit hard. There was a chance I could find an answer for him, if I succumbed. I love my twin just enough to consider it. Her eyes, luminous, tried to expand out, as if her will plucked at mine. It would not work. I remember the number that that fairy had done on me. And her charm slid over me like cheap cooking oil and water. Maybe another time. Maybe another year. Maybe when the wounds were fresh, the desperation more real. But you can't squeeze blood from scar tissue. I breathed in. He made his choice, and I made mine. I spit right in her face with all the minty fresh holy water spit I had accumulated. She shrieked in anguish as holy water seeped into her eyes. Eyes are the window to the soul, so it makes sense that that'd be the first thing to burn on a soulless vampire. She kicked me so hard that I broke the lock as I bounced off the front door. I couldn't even count how many ribs were cracked, and I tasted the tang of blood. I heard the hissing of other vampires, surely her bosses, upset that their newest recruit had been so easily felled. I struggled to my feet and opened the door. Sunlight burst through the otherwise blackened hall. It poured over Marie, who had been curled up in pain. The sunlight hit her, and she arced her back so that her hands and feet were the only parts of her body touching the floor. Her scream was so loud, it even sounded out of place for Los Angeles. I spoke to the shadows behind her, but stayed fully in the gaping sunlight. I think I'll do better to represent myself. Too many incompetent agents here at Moonburst. I drove the point of the cane down through Marie's chest, pinning her to the floor, preventing her from scooting away from the sun's rays. I backed up, making sure my shadow didn't fall on her, giving her some relief. She burst into flames. Her screams turned into a gurgling noise as the combination of the holy water, the stake, and the sunlight wrecked her vocal cords. It took an hour before she had turned into nothing but a pile of ash and blackened bones. The hissing ended as soon as it was certain that I wasn't going to leave, and I saw blacked-out vans pull out from an alley and drive away. No honor among talent agencies, but I knew that already. Nothing new there. I've been sitting here for an hour control, trying to bandage my ribs, googling how best to avoid going to the hospital. Marie was a good woman. She just... She was just a little too weak for this job. We have to work out an outfit of weapons and material that I can take on every case. I can't rely on luck and angels alone. Maybe Jack can help me with that. I'll send you my notes on the case, including the full recipe for the holy water chewing gum. <laughs> that worked like a dream. Until next time, this is Jim Donovan, signing out. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, international license. This episode was written and performed by Ken Dickison. Ken Dickison performs our audio editing. Ben Wheeler edits the drafts, directs, produces, and herds cats. 
visit us on Facebook, read articles on SuperversiveSF.com, and wherever podcasts are distributed, you'll find us. Contact us through Twitter at Pinkerton's Ghosts, or send an email at PinkertonsGhosts at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.